Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast, Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie hanging out after a Game 7 loss for the Toronto Maple Leafs for the second year in a row. Now, last year, it was a lot more fun, right? You know, you're based in Montreal. You have Montreal versus Toronto. Montreal beating Toronto. Very fun to break that down, at least for you. You you did a lot of laughing. Uh, I did. But you are with me here in that it's kind of less fun this time around for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this was tough. This was really, really tough to watch uh, for a lot of reasons. I, of course, was in the building. Uh, I watched these guys try to digest it in the moment. It was really rough. The fan base is obviously taking it pretty poorly. Uh there are really no words, but we've got to try and produce some here. So what are your thoughts? I know you said just as we were uh, about to come on that it's not, you know, as enjoyable for you. What are you feeling after this, uh, this latest Leafs loss, which is the fifth time that they have fifth time in a row, fifth time in the last five years that they have lost a do or die game, which is the first time in the history of professional sports, basically where this has happened. Like, I'm not sure what the Leafs, I'm not sure what to do, you know? And thank God I'm not paid to figure that out for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this. Before this series started, I said the Leafs need to win that series because next year, with all the expectations and everything that's going to get talked about them, it is not going to be fun to endure. That is a lot of pressure that's going to get thrusted on the score. And with the core, I don't know what you do. I've seen a lot of people in the last how many hours say you have to run it back with the same players there. Mm-hmm. Those same players have lost in the first round, like how many years in a row? Like you could, I can understand people saying that like guys like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are not completely at fault for this team, not getting past the first round since 2004. They can't be responsible for all of those series or moments that couldn't get them to that point, but they've been through enough of these together with Nylander and Tavares that they have to wear a bunch of that. But I don't know if you move on from that core because at least in this playoff series, those players played great. Mm-hmm. Marner stepped up after he was invisible last year. Austin Matthews, remember game five, he scores the game winner, probably his best moment of the series. If it weren't for that weird call, the pick on Justin Hall, which I understand it's interference. It is by letter of the law, the rule, but considering how the game is considering the game and considering what's been let go before to game seven, 
That's yeah. what stunned me. If it wasn't for that, John Tavares steps up in that game. And he didn't have a half-bad series either. And William Nylander was the biggest Leaf who showed up last year, and he also showed up this year. Like, what do you do? do you, how do you move on from that core? Morgan Riley also having his moments as well. What do you do with that? Like, I don't know what you do. That's It's, it's wild. Of course, you're going to have to move around some bit pieces. You have to figure mm-hmm. out Jack Campbell's contract situation. But, like, you did this against the Tampa Bay Lightning. If this was, like, a Stanley Cup final series, like, do you do you overhaul everything? No. Yeah. You say, okay, you need an extra piece, and you go back out there. But this is in the first round, a round you haven't been able to get past. It's a very complicated situation to maneuver if you are the Toronto Maple Leafs. And but maybe we'll find an answer as we talk about this, but I don't know what you do. Yeah, it was the first round, obviously. But that game, that series, I mean, we're talking about Eastern Conference final type stuff, right? It, maybe Absolutely. the Stanley Cup final in a year like last year where two teams from the Eastern Conference could actually meet in the Stanley Cup final. I mean, the level of hockey that that was was beyond anything that we've seen in this run of futility for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you mentioned it, like, it's hard to pick out anyone to be at fault. Like, I honestly look at it and I, and I cannot come up with someone or something that didn't work. Like, it really, like, the, the Leafs were across the board very, very good in the series and very, very good in Game 7. It just came down to a coin flip scenario that went the opposite way against what could be the best team in hockey right now, clearly the best team over the last three, five, seven, ten years, the salary cap era. It's possible that the Leafs are the second best team in the NHL and they just didn't get past the first round. I am team run it back because I don't think you can ignore the context. Like what's more important? What just happened, what we just saw, which was a team that lack confidence, gain confidence, push the Stanley Cup champions to the brink, have them thinking before the game that, hey, you know, maybe we don't have it. Like John Cooper openly talking about the, the, the fear of losing, the possibility of losing before the game. Like we've seen coaches in the past plant that seed, right? Like this is a good team on the other side. If we lose, it's not all on me and, and this team because they're really, really good. Like we saw some of that. And yet the result is the same. Like it's really, really difficult because what is right in front of them, the growth of this team, how good they were in the regular season, again, five wins better than their previous total in 100 plus years of the franchise. The way that they played is so much more important than what happened in the previous five seasons. And yet you can't eliminate that. Like you can't get rid of it. But I I was just so impressed by this team's growth. Like, they were so much better and had so much more fight. The way that Mitch Marner played in that third period, it was almost as though they did change. They proved it to themselves and to everybody else. And to me, it was almost surprising that they didn't come up with the equalizing goal because it was a different team. It was a far different team, far different scenario. And yet the result is the same. So I don't know what you do. And I don't know what pressures will be on Dubas to actually make a change but I think and I think it's really clear that you just stick with it because there's no better option obviously they got to tinker because guys will be at the door Eli McKayev probably leaving maybe that's the end of Jason Spezza perhaps Mark Giordano doesn't want to be back on a bargain deal the Jack Campbell thing has to be figured out 
but why would you move Marner, Matthews, or Nylander after that? You can't move John Tavares. You can't really change the core of this team fundamentally. Maybe you could find a way to get underneath the Jake Muzzin contract, but he was really good too. Every single one of the Leafs performed, but they ran into a better team. It's, it really is uh, unbelievable considering what we were talking about last year at this point where it's like nothing matters. How do you say that anything matters next year? Because we just don't know what's going to happen. You could improve so much. You could do everything possible in your, in your, in your power to put yourself in a better position, but you just run into Tampa Bay. It's crazy. It really is. And, and what's wild is like this Leafs team by all, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong, at least in the regular season, this is the greatest Leafs team people have ever seen mm-hmm. points wise, a hard no trophy winner, Austin Matthews scoring 60 goals. Like you talk about next year, not mattering. How are they going to surpass the peaks of this year? Like that's going to be wild to play through all that. And you know what hurts the most for the Leafs of that series? They led after game one. They led after game three. They led after game five. The first two wins of that series, not only were they just wins, they were convincing wins. And in game five, when they found themselves in a position where they were down and it looked as if they were going to be out. And I had said before the series started that the Leafs really need to show themselves once adversity faces them. They broke through that door and succeeded. And again, Austin Matthews was the guy at the end. Both Marner and Matthews combining on that game-winning play. They did just about everything they needed to do to show everyone that they were different. And they couldn't close in game six and game seven. But not because they were just a bad team. They ran up against the team that has had their backs at the wall before, has won championships, and has played so many NHL playoff games over the last two, three years. They didn't do this against some random squad with no experience. They didn't do this against a team that had no business being in the playoffs. They beat just about the best possible team you can play in the Eastern Conference with no, with all due respect to the Florida Panthers, who congrats to them, they win a playoff series this year. How many teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs, if you look at the bracket, see Tampa Bay and say, oh, I definitely want to play the Tampa Bay like not many, not many people do, you know? So it's, that's what makes this tough. The Leafs had the lightning at different points in this series and they could not close. So I guess you could say the next step in their evolution is developing more of a killer instinct. But again, they did this against the two time reigning champions. Like yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's, that's as good as it could get for that series. You're right. I, I think it really could have been a coin flip. I expected them to score a tying goal in the third and I was surprised it didn't happen. Yeah, it's so easy to say that, you know, you just had to do this in order to get the better result. I mean, Tampa, Tampa has a say in this too. And they're so good. Like all the credit in the world should go to this team. Braden Point going out in the first period, trying to come back in the second and not and not being able to go. The fact that Andre Vasilevsky is going to, what, one goal in the last six lightning attempts to eliminate an opponent? That's the first time he's allowed a goal in game seven. And that goal was scored in that game. Like it it is, it is spectacular. This team's run of resolve. I mean, I I don't think there was a coincidence that the only guy or one of the few guys on the team that doesn't have a Stanley cup ring, doesn't have two Stanley cup rings was the driver from an offensive perspective. I mean, Nick Paul was the hungriest person maybe on the ice outside of Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. I think he wanted it just as much as those two guys because I think some of those lightning players were asking the question of if they were truly 
all in in that game, knowing how good the Maple Leafs were. I mean, Nikita Kucherov was terrible in that game. Awful. Awful. But it yeah. doesn't matter because if Andre Vasilevsky is in net and a couple guys are going for that team, they're just so – they just got the postseason know-how. They just understand how to get it done. And their third period, despite being caved in, the block shots, the way they clogged lanes, the way they protected Vasilevsky, it really was remarkable. Like this team, the difference with the Lightning when comparing them to everybody else is that they can win in multiple ways. They can win by blowing you out. They can win a special teams game. They can win five on five. They can win by just scoring one or two goals because they know that they can protect their own goaltender and that they have the goaltender that can play at that standard. I mean, they're just an exceptional, exceptional team. And you mentioned Florida. I mean, they're in for it. They had a really difficult time breaking down a lesser opponent in the Washington Capitals over the course of six games. And now you got Tampa Bay. Uh, like, despite what you did in the regular season, same goes for the Leafs. I don't know if it's going to apply versus the two-time Stanley Cup champions. And those champions at the beginning of the series, the Lightning, one of the things we have to point out after that game one the, the legs, the, the wear and tear, the games they had played to get to that point. You, there were genuine questions about how tired that core was. It could still be the case with Nikita Kucherov. It could still be the case with Steven Stamkos. But seeing a guy like Nick Paul emerge as the hero in game seven, a guy they acquired just before the deadline from Ottawa, that's just an example of some of the fresher legs that they have on this team that are going to be called upon to play big moments for the Tampa Bay Lightning, him and, and, and guys like Brandon Hagel as well. Like that is going to help them get over the top and then occasional production from guys like a Victor Hedman. I have no clue what's going to happen for, for Braden point, but if he's still healthy enough to play yeah, in, it's these, a, it's a big, in these, in these following games, key. that is a huge key for them. And then you might still get production from Stamkos and Kucherov and some of the other players on that team. The, the Tampa Bay lightning are, they are damn good for a reason. And this run, if they find a way to win a Stanley cup after all that, you could say it's just as impressive as the first two, which again happened within the same 365 day span in different circumstances because of COVID, but winning in an 82 game season when they've gone through all those runs, if they find a way to do it this year, it will be the most, imp- I think, I, I think I'm ready to call it. It would be the most impressive of any of the three cups they've won. Think about the path, 115 point Toronto Maple Leafs, 128 point, something like that. Florida Panthers. Then maybe Carolina or Sidney Crosby's Pittsburgh Penguins in the third round. And then Colorado maybe in the Stanley Cup final. Like it's, it's a, it could not be a more difficult path. The most difficult path forward through the playoffs belonged to either the Leafs or Lightning because they played each other first. I mean, it's just, that's just the reality of it. Um, with the Leafs though, uh, moving forward, like it's tough. It, it really is tough. Like the situation that they find themselves in because even if, Dubas has full autonomy. I mean, what does he do? He'll, he'll make good moves at the margins again, but he's got to figure out his goaltending. But he's also got to worry about the fact that this might, this whole grand scheme, his designs, his view of building a hockey team, it's very possible that it just doesn't align or that they missed the opportunity when it did align because of their failures to rise to the occasion previously and the fact that they ran into the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round this year, because as much as John Tavares did step up, he was a ghost for the first three, four games. He was bad early in the series. And this is a guy that is getting older. He's got three years left on his contract. 
making $11 million. We don't have to get into it, but an unmovable asset. Like they couldn't give him away if they tried. They would never try to do that. I don't think at least the captain, the guy who came home, all that. I don't think they would, but they couldn't even if they wanted to, right? This game is getting faster. Not at his full salary. Not his full salary. And you can't in this position just give up, you know, a couple million dollars because you want to get out from underneath his contract. I mean, they've got to find a way to make, to massage this relationship so that it continues to not sink them. And I worry that when the most, the majority of the team is ready, Matthews and Marner clearly took a step this year, like without a doubt. Nylander, I don't know if he took a step. I just think he's always a sort of dangerous player, but not their main driver. Uh, the fact that they got David Camp in there, the fact that they fixed the defensive core, Jack Campbell, I don't know if everyone's sold on, but everything else coming together and that one key thing, that sort of centerpiece of it all, other than Mouston Matthews, being John Tavares and it not working in sequence with everything else. Uh, I do really wonder about that. And I wonder about if the opportunity was already missed. I think this team can come back and be very competitive. I don't think you can do anything but retool. If you give up on Sheldon Keefe, you're taking a step back because this team plays for Sheldon Keefe. If you give up on one of the other forwards, you're taking a step back because how are you going to bring in more talent than the talent you already have? I just don't see a path forward other than running it back and hoping that you can extend a window that you haven't even broken through yet. That's really the only option, I think, for the Leafs. I have a question. If you give up on Sheldon Keefe and you bring in Barry Trotz, it does, is, does that at least make it better? Because in my view, if you're not going to make a change to the core, you look at coaching. At the same time, the only other person I could think of who, if you're the Leafs, you should consider getting rid of, of Sheldon Keefe for is Barry Trotz. And if you're not bringing in Barry Trotz, I don't see anyone else really out there who should be able to take over that job and help bring the least past the first round. I mean, maybe there is a guy, but I don't know. But Sheldon Keith might be the easiest piece to move if you feel if if ownership or Brendan Shanahan is looking at Kyle Dubas and saying, "Okay, well, you have to do something." Yeah, we demand Tinkering, something, right? Yeah, yeah we demand something. Like you do your little tinkers here and there, but you need a big change. And maybe the core, maybe the players in that locker room respond to that change. They have, to, they have to realize that all the failures they've had to this point, you know, people can have the faith in them, but like something has to change in that. That mindset has to change. Something has to change in that locker room. Something has to move forward, move from that core in order to help them get to that next step. And I know teams, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But the Leafs, the idea of them running it back again, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that understands, but there's another part of me that just feels it's still kind of fills that definition of insanity which is just yeah. doing things over and over and over again yeah. and this fa- this core has failed in the first round before they have failed i don't i'll say this though i don't know if that opportunity has passed yet i think with the way the division could look yes there are teams that are trying to get better that are below them i don't think they're at a point where they can get better than the leafs and right now i mean tampa i mean they're they're looking really good now they going to stay at that level next year the florida panthers i have to assume they're going to get better next year as well i don't know if the leafs are going to match the same heights they did this year but i could still see them as a legitimate team in the playoffs when it comes time next year i mean if as, as long as they don't run into into tampa or florida in the first round 
they should in theory win their first round series next year, but who knows? We, we haven't even accounted for injuries or, or any other circumstances or massive drop-offs from any other player. So I, 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 I want to say that their opportunity, their window has not passed them, but if things go bad next year, man, I, I don't know that I, you know what? I don't even want to let my mind go there. Cause that is a, yeah. that is a very dark thing. Well, I mean, if they do stand pat and, this is the same thing next year. I mean, it's, it's complete chaos. It's uh, scorched earth style um, retooling, at least from a coaching and managerial perspective. But personally, I think it's, it would be incredibly short-sighted to give up on Sheldon Keefe. Um, because when I look at how this team performed over the course of the regular season and in the playoffs, I cannot really pinpoint a single thing that he did poorly or brought a negative effect. I mean, even looking at the series, despite Tampa losing the or winning the last two games, I thought over the balance of it, the balance of the run of play, Toronto was taking more and more hold of the series as it went on. I thought Matthews mm-hmm. and Marner were as dominant as they were at the start at the end. John Tavares in the second line clearly was better as the series went on. The David Camp line, maybe not as good because they just started out so great. But the fourth line, too, was getting more and more of it as it went on. And I think that has to do with coaching. It's not like they just snapped their fingers and were better than the opposition or that Tampa was taxed or whatever. Sheldon Keefe was finding a way to optimize things and get the best out of his group. And I think, honestly, that's all he's done in his tenure here is get the best of his group in overall. Uh, Clearly, didn't work out in Columbus or versus Columbus in the bubble. The Leafs didn't have the roster for it. They let it slip away against Montreal. I don't know how you put that on coaching. That was the players not getting it done. Sheldon Keefe has always wanted to install a checking line underneath his scoring units. He finally got that this year, and we saw why he wanted it all along, because it works so well and so seamlessly with David Kemp being in that third line. I think Sheldon Keefe is the perfect coach for this situation. I think he's very, very talented. I think he's got the head for it as well. And to move on from him, yeah, I understand Barry Trotz's resume. I get it. But there's a thing about compatibility, right? Like this team is built to attack. It's not built to be the New York Islanders who are just trying to do what Tampa did in the third period of game seven all year long. That's not what the Toronto Maple Leafs were going for. And I think Sheldon Keefe is the coach that is compatible with both team and general manager. And for that reason, I wouldn't be moving on even with Barry Trotz, who is probably a superior coach, probably the best coach in the NHL right there as a free agent, but that's true. It's possible. That is the right move. I I just don't think uh, I'm just not ready to give up on Sheldon Keefe. I don't, I don't think that's the right move right now. Okay. Well, I think of Barry Trotz's experience with offensive players and, and the pedigree and the winning that he has, but you do bring up a good point. If he's not directly compatible with that Leafs organization, they could risk taking a step back. And, that and you can't do really that because that next year is the most important year, obviously, right? Absolutely. Like it, you can't have a step back because you're just feeling out the process here. You need to be at your best next year or it's curtains for the entire operation. Yeah, the next coach who succeeds Sheldon Keith, if they let themselves get to that point, has to put the team in a position to win rounds and make runs to the Stanley Cup final as far as I'm concerned. I also wonder if the fact that they did this against the Tampa Bay Lightning, if that changes the expectations for future playoff runs to come. Like, 
I know people this year who say that, well, I mean, Omar comes to mind, obviously, that they would have just been satisfied if they won a round and that would have been it. And they would have been blown out in the second round by Florida or whatever, and that would have been it. But the fact that they did this against the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that a lot of people expect to make the Stanley Cup final every year, and they went to a game seven within a goal of tying it, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Does that change? Does that change? Like the fact they did this against Tampa, like I could just picture someone just saying, well, now they have to go to a second or a third round next year. Like maybe a second round doesn't do this justice after everything they've suffered and the performance that they put on. They've shown that they could play in the playoffs the way that you're supposed to play to get you wins. And they blew out the Tampa Bay Lightning in key games in that series. If you if you go through all of that and the and you think of the losses to Columbus and, and Montreal and, and Boston and all that, and then next year happens, and then the Leafs went around, and that's it. Is that really going to be enough? Is that really going to be it with the core that you have and everything that they've learned to this point and how good they've been? Yeah. Is that really going to be enough? No. I mean, I think it will be somewhat for the fans. I mean, just having, I mean, it's almost even more about not, and as Omar has put it, I think on zone time, we were talking about it, just not being an embarrassment anymore. I, hmm. I mean, I think that's key just for the fan base to get over that. But to, to think that after this year, after what they showed, after how close they were to beating the Tampa Bay Lightning, to, to suggest that just one round is good enough is, is false. I mean, this is clearly a team that if they won that game, we'd be talking about them legitimately winning the Stanley Cup or being having as good of an opportunity as anyone else because of what they were able to accomplish. Uh, I think the goalposts have changed. I mean, it's, it's not about just winning it. Like, if, if they run it back and they get through, you know, whoever in the first round. They win the they win the division, draw Philadelphia in the first round and beat them. Sure. Which is not gonna happen, but whatever. If they get through that, that that's just not enough. It's 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 not. This is a team that is deep into the competitive window, haven't accomplished anything, but the goal still remains. The objective should be to win the Stanley Cup with how they're situated. Uh and you know, who knows? Maybe they take a step back organizationally. Like they lose some assets. They make some trades. They tear it down a little bit in an effort to build back up. I just don't expect that to happen. I mean, they should be one of the best teams in the NHL next year. And to suggest that the goal is anything less than winning the Stanley cup, even despite the fact that they haven't won anything would be wrong. Uh, That's just the reality of the situation. They're going to have to uh, run before they crawl. I guess that makes any sense. Yeah. I guess that kind of speaks to my, ulterior point with this Leafs team they really needed to win that series against him the expectations for them next year the goal pulse moving the fact they haven't won around I mean we'll see what they do this offseason I think the pressure and expectations that are coming for the Leafs next year are going to be unlike any that any Leaf team previous has had and I can't help but feel for some of those players especially uh, guys like Matthews and Marner who showed their emotion, Tavares too, who showed their emotions post game. They really yeah. wanted this bad, and they're gonna have to go through the mountain again next year, and hope that they don't have to feel those same feelings again. Uh, listen, if there wasn't, uh, I, I bet the, I, I I wonder what the locker room looked like after. I mean, these guys were devastated, devastated, and that's a big difference. Is that they expected to beat the best team 
in the league. They thought they were that team. Uh, and it didn't happen that way. And you're right. It thrusts the losses to Columbus and Montreal under the spotlight further. I wonder if getting to game seven versus Boston too soon and back-to-back seasons hurt this team because it was so damaging and traumatic and they just seemed like they didn't recover from it. Like if, if they just had a few seasons where they didn't make the playoffs and then got there slowly and, and built their confidence on the way up, like more normally, or like, like more teams would, maybe it wouldn't be this way, but they developed a scar tissue and it hurt them against Columbus and Montreal. And because they didn't take advantage of those opportunities, it just made this one so much worse. Uh, It's amazing how every little thing seems to work against this team. Uh, Really, really insane. Uh, I just want to add one last thing here. One last thing. At least for some of the fans that I saw, as opposed to last year heading into game Mm -hmm. seven, I saw a lot of people at least try to be positive and not try to be too down. I mean, in the mentions with Omar, the last two games, I'll admit, they were a little bit down. Omar was very shook up. But there are other Leafs fans who tried to bring up the energy, and they they brought it in game seven at Scotiabank Arena. They they Mm -hmm. brought it. They didn't have that same energy Last year, obviously, with a reduced capacity crowd, thanks to COVID and all that. But the Leafs tried to play as best as they can, and the fans responded to that. And I felt that there wasn't as much of a negative energy at home as they had facing them the year prior. It's just that it led to the same result. And it's, I feel for that franchise. I feel for those guys. That, that, that's tough. That is very, very tough. That's another thing. It would have been the third time that they would have had home ice in a series. Like, the, man, it should have been the third time, right, in a row that they would have some sort of advantage. Of course, they didn't take advantage of the one time they had it, but they earned an advantage against Montreal and, and, and didn't have it, other than the familiarity of being in that arena. Uh, just, again, another example of everything working against them. But you're right. I mean, the fans did step up. The belief was not just with the players. It seemed to be with the fan base as well. I, and I feel like that, that just makes it worse. Like literally everyone seemed to think it was going to be different. And in the end, despite playing so much better, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, it's not time yet for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, let's go to the Oilers. Um, you know, if, if, I don't know if demons needed to be exercised in, in uh, oil country, but Connor McDavid stepped up and uh, basically prevented a narrative from building, right? He, uh, he put the Edmonton Oilers on his back in game seven. And I was writing about the Leafs during this game, um, but I was immensely distracted because every time I looked up at the television in the media room at Scotiabank Arena, Connor McDavid was doing something incredibly, incredibly important and amazingly well. Um, he scored a goal and had an assist in a 2-0 victory in Game 7. Mike Smith stepped up, although he was not the busier goaltender, and the Oilers survived the LA Kings, setting up perhaps a Battle of Alberta, but maybe a second-round series versus the Dallas Stars because Game 7 of that series goes tonight. I wonder, though, if the Oilers do have anything left to give. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl obviously banged up, and a high ankle sprain, I think. He skated by himself to see if he could pull through. He was laboring clearly. I mean, the Oilers did get through the Darnell Nurse absence. Another thing, that, that the way they played, the way McDavid played in game six to, to get through an elimination game in Los Angeles before their game seven victory, unbelievable. 
Um, but it seems like if the Oilers are going to have more success, it'll be almost exclusively on the back of their captain because he basically willed them through that first round series with the Los Angeles Kings. How do you see that series in hindsight now? And, and what do you think the future may hold here for the Oilers uh, in the second round and perhaps beyond? Man, the fact that the Oilers were able to the Oilers were able to get out of that series, I didn't expect it to go to seven games like that. But that is a big win for Connor McDavid and his legacy. Just seeing him celebrate that goal he scored, the way he willed himself to score that goal, that is incredible. Like yeah. we, we marvel over the skillful goals that he scores. You know, how he's able to just weave his way through defenders and make stuff happen. How many goals in his highlight reel ta- tape? Do you see him like power his way through while showing off the agility and skill, but willfully getting himself to the point he needs to be to score. And then a nail Yakupov esque celebration yes. going all the way to center. Yes. Right. That, is, that, that was the best part of that for me. I no one does it the- like nail, but Connor yes. McDavid was pretty close. That was so, but that's the most joy I've ever seen out of that man ever, mm-hmm. ever. But I mean, he's playing hockey and he gets himself one step closer to a Stanley Cup final. It's second round, but Connor McDavid needs more of those runs for his legacy. Uh, and I think for, in terms of, you know, whether they have more to give, look, it's the playoffs. Everyone's going to be banged up. Everyone's going to be playing through injury. Connor McDavid, let everybody know at the all-star break, like he doesn't care about all those other accolades. There's one thing in mind for him. He wants to win. And if he has to put the team on his back to do it, we could be in for some very fun Edmonton Oilers games if they play against Calgary, if they play against Dallas, whoever it's going to be. But this is a different Connor McDavid. We lost. I feel like we lost sight of how great this Connor McDavid season was. Mm-hmm. This is the best season he's ever had as a pro. Austin Matthews will very likely win the Hart Trophy, but Connor McDavid reached a different level of player this year with the stats he was able to put up, the talent he was able to display on the ice. If and the fact that he has a playoff series win under his belt, if he gets a second one and gets to the conference finals this year, we have to start putting the light more back on him and show that he has taken another step towards being the greatest player of our era. And that mm-hmm. game seven win, even if it was maybe a game extra than we all would have thought against the LA Kings, that goes a long way for him. And I'll tell you what, Leon Dreisaitl needs to do everything he can to get himself healthy. Darnell Nurse, Darnell Nurse, at least he's back there. Mike Smith is surprising all of us. I did not expect him to be as good as he did. A lot of questions. I don't have to ask questions about Connor McDavid. No, you don't. Um, clearly still the best player in the world. Uh, doesn't mean that he had the best season. I guess that's all up for debate. But Connor McDavid is a force unlike any other. And you mentioned you've never seen him happier. Honestly, that win was as big for his happiness as anything else. Yes. Like this is a guy, <laughs> we talk about the Leafs, Leafs being so broken. We would have seen the same thing from McDavid. He hasn't won a postseason series since I think 2017. That would have been five years of futility for the best hockey player in the world, clearly over that stretch. I mean, it it was such a massive moment for him, for that franchise to get that monkey off their back. I'm not, I don't know what that'll mean, but I do know that they're going to have at least some situational experience here because the LA Kings, as much as they, didn't win the division or go to the Stanley cup final two years ago. They play a lot like Dallas and Calgary, you know, straight lines, lots of shots, strong defensively, lots of shot attempts, strong defensively, good goaltending. At least it was in that series. 
I mean, the Edmonton Oilers are going to kind of know what's coming to them uh, if it is Calgary or Dallas, because they play that certain way. They are really the outlier in the Pacific division bracket in that they are a team that attacks while the other three teams are, are teams that are looking to dull things down and win two to one games. Uh, if Connor McDavid is the most explosive and powerful force in the series, the, the Oilers have a chance and the Dallas stars, as much as they are like built for the postseason, they don't have much firepower. And if McDavid just has those one or two glorious chances and opportunities that he manufactures for himself per game. Yeah. The Oilers can do it. They could go to the Western conference final. They could meet Nathan McKinnon or, or the St. Louis blues uh, in the Western conference final. And that would be really, really fun uh, to see Connor McDavid have some success. Uh, that was another huge storyline. Like we're talking, uh, start talking about the future of the players and these teams that are not having the success they should. I wonder what the conversation would have been if the Oilers lost that series to a team that's really just on the come up, just beginning to be on the come up. It would have been a bad, bad, bad result for the Oilers, but Connor McDavid got them through it. And maybe this really just opens up a world of possibilities for them. You know who should be the happiest man in Edmonton right now? Ken Holland. He should be the happiest man in Edmonton right now. That man, Connor McDavid saved his job as far as I'm concerned. Because I think now that the Oilers are in the second round, I don't think Ken Holland is going to be facing any firing line or anything like that heading into the offseason. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised if that was the case unless the Oilers lose in disastrous fashion to whoever they play in the second round. But a lot of flack was coming Ken Holland's way for some of the moves that he did. And at least through one round, it worked. His, his team was able to get through. I, I don't know how it'll get to round two or round three. We'll have to wait and see. But Ken, Hall, Ken Holland can at least sleep a little bit easier knowing that Connor McDavid, his best player, was able to push them through to the second round. And again, Mike Smith deserves a lot of credit. I understand he wasn't the busiest goalie, as you said earlier, in game seven. But he did as best as he could throughout the series. He had his mistakes, giving away the yeah. puck. But overall, he was solid in net for the Oilers. And okay. they needed someone solid between the pipes. Game seven shutout speaks for itself. And that crazy, crazy, wild goaltender of Mike Smith went for a goal at the end of that game, which is, uh, <laughs> which I, I love him for. I mean, it was like 10 seconds left. It's two nothing. Of course, they're going no, but that I, I actually said it was, we were watching the press box. I'm like, Mike Smith's going to go for a goal here with like two minutes left. Of course he didn't until uh, the result was actually in hand, but that is a goaltender. That's uh, a little unpredictable, sometimes good or sometimes bad and sometimes really good. Like it was in game seven. Uh, I am pleading with the Calgary Flames to win game seven tonight. Uh, as much as I respect Cal- or the Dallas Stars and what they do in the postseason, they are not going to make for the best storyline. Edmonton Calgary would guarantee a Canadian team in the Western Conference final, which is awesome. But more important than that, the series would be spectacular. Flames and Oilers, the second round. I mean, I might just never complain about the postseason structure if we go from Leafs Tampa to flames oilers in terms of my coverage because that's pretty pretty damn good i was thinking about it because with all the game sevens that were happening this weekend the fact that all three canadian teams were in a game seven like if i'm like a a sports set exec i look at the game sevens and i'm like wow we're gonna have a lot of games out for a lot of people to watch could you have imagined their face if all three canadian teams lost this weekend oof oof 
Connor McDavid. Yeah, I mean, if I the second happiest man should be whoever runs like TV and program, what Rob Corte or whoever it is for, for Sportsnet. They're <laughs> yeah, the second so. happiest person, as far as I'm concerned. Yes and no, because as much as it's important that they have something, I mean, listen, if it was if it was Dallas, LA, Colorado, St. Louis, Carolina, and whoever, Tampa, Florida. I mean, which one's the most the Tampa, Florida is your main series. Uh, I think the ratings are going to fall off a cliff and the battle of Alberta will keep people engaged. But in reality, if the Leafs aren't there and the Habs aren't there, Canucks maybe to a lesser extent aren't there, it's going to be tough sledding uh, to earn those advertising dollars. Regardless, I had a, a, the Leafs fan in my mentions. I tweeted about how I was looking forward to the Florida series. <laughs> this one guy was just like, I'm not watching a second of that garbage. <laughs> That's the thing about Toronto. I heard it on the radio actually yesterday, I think on my way home uh, after the morning skate. Uh, Toronto is a huge, huge leaf town. They're not a huge hockey town. Uh, I don't know how much. Sounds very familiar. I happen to live in a market where it's exactly the same thing. Is it the same thing? I thought it would be a little bit better, honestly. It's the same. It's the same damn thing in Montreal as well. Big Canadians town and not much room for anything else. Maybe you'll have the few people who will pay attention if there's a team with a bunch of Quebecois players and they'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, you can latch on to that, but you're not seeing an overwhelming amount of, of ratings getting bumped up uh, for Tampa, Florida necessarily. Mm-hmm. But hey, you know, it, things could change this year, but probably not. That It's the same boat in Montreal. It's the Montreal yeah. Canadians and everything else falls by the wayside. Which makes it really difficult. But, uh, you know, and it's funny too, because the people in Edmonton, Calgary would be watching all the hockey, but it's now just going to be their market, which is, which is interesting because in the big cities, for some reason, I guess, uh, if it's not their team, it's uh, it's time to move on and do some other things in the summer, I suppose. Uh, let's quickly preview the two game sevens that we have on Sunday, that being today. Uh, Rangers and Penguins play game seven at 7 p.m., followed by the Stars and Flames, which we've touched on a little bit. It looks like Sidney Crosby and Tristan Jari will be back for Man. the Penguins. Jari will be making his series debut, and Crosby, after taking a shot, diagnosed i think officially with a concussion or at least reported we'll be back despite only missing two games uh two elimination possibilities for the penguins wasted and squandered with crosby out of the lineup i mean really it seems like it's that simple if Sidney crosby can play and be in the lineup and be impactful penguins look so much better than the rangers because crosby was on that level through the first four games um but if he's not Sidney Crosby if he's not present if he's not able maybe it swings really really hard in the Rangers direction and maybe Igor Shostyorkin despite a terrible series so far can just step up and be Igor Shostyorkin of the regular season in a game seven even if Sidney Crosby's playing uh so how do you see this one shaking down I this is going to be the most fun of the game sevens today I think Uh, uh, easily no disrespect to Dallas and and Calgary but uh no the Penguins and the Rangers the way that that series has gone the back and forth the firepower the goaltending stories like this is the game to watch on Sunday the fact that Sidney Crosby a game time decision officially like if he plays the Penguins probably win that game if he doesn't play I don't think the Penguins win I think the Rangers have taken advantage of the fact that Crosby was not available to the Penguins. They've restored their confidence and they've been able to grit out some wins in these last two games. So they have momentum on their side heading into game seven on top of home ice advantage. 
But Sidney Crosby has shown that he is the ultimate equalizer and he can make things happen for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The fact that they've made the series as competitive as they have with Louis Domingue in goal. I mean, Mm -hmm. Sidney Crosby is at the head of the reasons why that is. And Sidney Crosby, I mean, I I hope he's not still feeling any ill effects from uh, what has reportedly been a concussion situation for him because up until that hit, from Jacob Truba, he he proved himself to be the best player in that series. He put everyone on notice saying, okay, I, I might not be the absolute best player in the world, but I'm still damn good from what I'm able to do at my age and the wear and dare I have. Sidney Crosby, an incredible player. And if he doesn't play in game seven, we are all the worse for it because this series deserves a game seven. This series deserves Sidney Crosby being able to play it. If he plays in that in that series, I know I picked the Rangers to win. I'm giving it to the Penguins to win. I think just with the way that he's been able to get things going and jumpstart the offense, and they've been able to solve Igor Shosturkin, he looks human. He's looked human throughout the series. Having a guy like Sidney Crosby help in the in the process of solving him in Game 7, that goes a long way towards a victory. So if he wins, if he plays, the Penguins win. If he doesn't play, I think the Rangers are going to be able to bank on everything they've built up the last two games to grit out a win in Game 7. Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's that simple. Uh... Sidney Crosby's presence alone is the most powerful. And that's no disrespect to Tristan Jari too, but because remember Tristan Jari has not played in quite some time and he's trying to, and he's been recovering from that foot injury. But I think Sidney Crosby is a, obviously a much bigger piece to account for than Tristan Jari for the Penguins. And it would suck if the Penguins run this last chance, just they don't even get the opportunity because Sidney Crosby can't play because he's been concussed for, you know, not countless, but another time in his career, uh, just an unfortunate way for everything to end. If that is indeed the case. Um, but the Rangers, even with Crosby could win it on their own merit. The fact that they battled back in the series is worth, uh, commending, uh, because it's difficult to find that when you're down three, one and to force a game seven in that scenario. So hopefully that one lives up to the building, a billing rather, and hopefully Sidney Crosby can play again. We're not as interested in stars and flames but it's a game seven in the first round of the nhl playoffs or the stanley cup playoffs and of course we'll be watching it um i'm i was surprised i have been surprised with dallas being in this series but as i watch more and more like this is just a team that is built for this time of year almost even more specifically built for a playoff series against a team like the calgary flames they could just hang in this scenario even if they're not the most talented team in the world I mean, their first line, Sagan and Ben, like they're non-factors. They are not great players anymore. They don't have much influence on the game at all. And yet, with a really strong defense core, Jake Ottinger taking the, the baton from Anton Kadobin and Ben Bishop previously. I mean, if they can just get great goaltending, which they're getting, with that defensive core and the, the little bits of scoring that they have in their roster... I mean, they can be a nuisance for just about every anyone, and it's proven to be that way against the Calgary Flames, who just haven't been able to get their offense going at all in the series behind what was the best line in the NHL, at least at even strength in the regular season with Gaudreau, Mo, uh, Gaudreau not Monaghan, Gaudreau, Kachuk, and Elias Lindholm. Do you expect those three to break out and, and make sure that we get the Battle of Alberta, or is Dallas about to go on another run despite everyone's expectations? Game seven is going to end in some like one nothing bore and it's going to come off some fluky goal from like Blake Coleman or something. Yeah. That's how these series go. 
I'm not surprised that the Dallas Stars at this point have shut down that top line. That was basically their only hope in hanging around in this series. They needed to negate as best as they could the offensive firepower that the Flames have. I don't expect that to break out in game seven. That would be an absolute failure on the playing style of the Dallas Stars. So it's it's we're going to be in for two teams wearing each other down with grit and grind hockey, forechecking a bound, <laughs> and someone just catching a break mid not even like late in the game like second period working in front of the net Blake Coleman bangs in a goal and then everyone just the flames park the bus and then the stars are just they'll get aggressive in the third but that's as far as it'll go that's how I think it'll go if it ends up being like 5-4 or something you know I'm, I'll we'll take, take the L I'm wrong we'll take we'll take it absolutely good lord the games need to be more entertaining in that damn series yeah, this has been a battle of attrition, and I honestly think the Dallas Stars are going to win it. Um, Flames where are you know showing that attritive aspect of this a little bit. With Chris Tanev going down. They, it seemed like they were rolling Eric Goodbranson and Nikita Zadorov over the bench like constantly down the stretch of that game when they were down and shorthanded uh, in terms at least of their defensive core. I feel like Dallas has chipped away enough where they can steal this series and despite it potentially not producing the battle of Alberta. If you're an Oilers fan, got some history with Dallas too. I mean, some of my best memories or fondest memories watching hockey when I was younger were Dallas and Edmonton and Alish Hemsky and Todd Marchment or Todd uh, Marchand. Todd Marchand. Uh, Curtis Joseph. Curtis Joseph. I mean, like it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not as appealing, but there's some history there, I guess. Oh, uh, um, yeah, you, you know what's funny? Alex Hemsky was like, why would you bring up Alex Hemsky? And Patrick Stefan came into my mind. You remember that? Yes, yes. Remember how incredible that was? That was uh, one of my favorite goals ever. Hemsky scoring that goal. I guess Hemsky wasn't involved in the real stars postseasons. He was more of a star in the uh, 06 run, I guess. But uh, anyway, it's all blurring together. I guess I'm getting a little old, Julian. A little? okay so since you threw that out there let's get into the cuthbert mckenzie confidence challenge oh, where yes. we're at of course we can't we can't uh fill out the rest we'll have to do that offline but your most confident pick the calgary flames could lose tonight <laughs> and you'd be out, confident you pick. would be out God the eight points it. if the calgary flames lose tonight of course i have the flames as well but I only have them for six points, so I'll take a little back. Damn it. Um, but the real difference right now, because I had St. Louis, but only one point for St. Louis, mm. and you had Carolina, and I had Boston at three points. So I think you hold a slight advantage. But if the Dallas Stars win, I believe we would be tied going into round two. So, oh. you know, gets a little bit more interesting between us. Um, but you will have, at worst, uh, you'll be even with me going into round two. Now we can't pick all of them, as I mentioned, but we can at least like kind of throw out some early predictions, some early leans on what we know. So Tampa and Florida is one series that is established. The other series, of course, is Colorado, St. Louis. Are you riding the perceived favorites, the number one seeds, or do you think St. Louis or Tampa Bay uh, will get the edge? <sighs> okay. Colorado. I'm, I'm going to give them the edge on St. Louis. But I don't know how I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna rank them super high. We'll rank after. We'll rank meter. after. We'll do that. Uh, so Colorado against St. Louis. 
man, Tampa, Florida, Florida, the way they played in that Washington series has really warped my perception of that team. They should have everything to win that series, but they might not be ready yet. And they're running up against a Tampa Bay lightning team that just pulled off a great series win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. They still have legs. Health is a big question though. That Braden point, we mentioned him earlier. How many games is he going to be able to play in that series? Nikita Kucherov, he didn't necessarily look like the best player in that series. I mean, he did play well enough to, you know, get points at different points, but game seven, he didn't look that great. I, mm, that's a toss up for me. That is a toss up. I might okay. have to. So no pressure. Yeah. Let me think about it. can make the let pick me, later. Let me think about it. Uh, yeah. I'm leaning Tampa to start. Uh, Braden Point, if he's out, if he won't be able to play, I think that will have to factor in a little bit. But until Tampa Bay loses from now on, I think I'm going to have to go with the lightning. Uh, this is the way that they figure out a way every single time. Uh, we got to kind of respect that, I think. And after watching them really closely the last seven games, it's hard not to respect that and question Florida at the same time, given how they played and how they were stymied for large portions of that series versus the Washington Capitals. I will go with Colorado. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that series a lot. Uh, so two good ones already in the queue. We'll have two more by the end of tonight. That leaves us just with tire pumps. Uh, are you? Do you have one ready to go here? I don't have one ready to go. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll so, let you think just, about it. Yeah, but I'm going with Patrice Bergeron. Of course, the Boston Bruins lost in Game Seven in Carolina. You know, a lot of not nothing official, but he's sort of uh, indicated that this could be it standing at the end of the uh, ice, giving hugs to all of his teammates, non-committal about next season. Brad Marchand saying things like I'm, I'm trying to convince him, but it's his decision. If that is the end for Patrice Bergeron, one of the great one of the great careers of my lifetime, you know, clearly not on Sidney Crosby's level. McDavid is writing a better story. Maybe Austin Matthews is as well. But Patrice Bergeron has, is sort of the standard in terms of how most NHL players are judged, winning the Selkie Trophy basically every other year and nominated every year. What a player Patrice Bergeron is. He's been a constant for so long. I hope we get another season out of him. I wonder what his exit means for the Boston Bruins. But regardless of what he decides, a hell of a hockey player and a stand-up individual at that i have a hard time seeing patrice bergeron play for any other uniform that is in the boston bruins not uh, i saw at least one montreal journalist uh throw out the idea that uh the canadians will get him i mean kent hughes was his former agent i think they mm -hmm. even said uh, canadians future canadians captain this guy did not grow up as a canadians fan he would sooner play for the door geeks if they still existed than play for the montreal canadians but on top of that he spent his career as a boston bruin he is the face of that franchise, as far as I'm concerned, with his leadership, his grace, his defensive work, one of the better players to watch throughout his career and seeing him give DAP to everyone as he, as everyone was leaving the ice. Yeah, it, 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 you definitely have to think that he is thinking heavily about his future. And I still have a hard time picturing him willingly going to play somewhere else. Like mm -hmm. for what? Why at this point? Like, why just retire as a Boston Bruin? I, I I don't see he's a Bruin. Just just go off with that. I, I that's what I would think uh, would happen here. Um, I will give my uh, tire pump uh, to a player who actually made their decision to retire earlier this week in Patrick Marlowe. 
Uh, we Ooh. talked about him on this podcast as a player who probably shouldn't go to the Hall of Fame. Maybe that changes with, you know, in time as we look at his accolades. But mm-hmm. no other player in the NHL has played more games than Patrick Marlowe. And he got to re- retire as a San Jose Shark. A guy who had himself a really great career. You really look at his numbers. You really look at the teams he played for. Shame he didn't get that Stanley Cup. Shame that the Sharks didn't able to get over the hump at different points. But he was still a part of some really good playoff teams and saw some postseason success. He got to be a really huge part of the Leafs in the latter stages of his career, kind of helping along that young core develop into what they are now. Not saying he's the guy that put them in that position, but he plays a role in developing them. I will give my uh, my tire pump to Patrick Marlowe, and I'll give a second one uh, to Corey Perry as well, who, uh, according yeah. to my colleague at The Athletic, Eric Stevens, I believe this will be, uh, the, the series against Florida will be his 10th playoff series since being bought out by the Anaheim Ducks. Well, you remember that? Like, he was an Anaheim Duck, and they yeah. did not want him anymore. And now hell he just seems to be hell of a player. So, like, I still can't believe the Canadians did not keep him after last year. And now mm-hmm. he gets to play for Tampa Bay because at the end of the day, if you can't beat him, join him. Uh, I'm well in the minority here, but I'm a big Corey Perry fan. I think he is. Uh, I mentioned Patrice Bergeron being the standard. Of course, Corey Perry is not on the same level in terms of upstanding NHL careers, but in terms of rats, difficult players to play with, greasy, successful hockey players that want it. Corey Perry is right up in the list. I cannot help but appreciate him and his career. And uh, I'm, I'm rooting for him, honestly. I, I'd like to see him win. But I'd also like to see the other guy who wore that hat that Patrick Marlowe wore, Joe Thornton, win mm. a Stanley Cup as well. So either Perry or Thornton will move on to round three. Uh, to see, oh, there's no gray beards on the Carolina side. Patrick Steph, or uh, Patrick Stephon. Derek Stepan, I guess, would <laughs> kind of apply. But, uh, yeah, a couple other, you know, there's good stories still. And hopefully Jumbo Joe. I don't think – I don't expect him to see the ice. But, man, I'd love to see him lift the Stanley Cup. That would be uh, that would be pretty entertaining. Shout out to us giving a lot of love to the 2005 Canadian World Junior Team. Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby, Corey Perry. I mean, they, des- they deserve it. That's uh, one of the best teams ever put on the ice by Hockey Canada. And we'll be referencing them forever, I think. Uh, such a great team. Um, this week, zone time. No more in the mentions, of course, with the Maple Leafs out. It was a good show, too. But the show the show rolls on here. Yahoo Sports will have more coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs on Zone Time on the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Julian, after another year breaking down the Leafs' loss in an elimination game, I thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, uh, man, ain't that a kick in the head? Ain't that a kick in the head? I don't know what else to I was trying not to laugh again. You promised not to laugh. You saved I'm it for like laughing. the last. I'm last not few laughing, minutes. bro. I said I wasn't laughing, man. I wasn't uh, laughing. Don't put this in this. I honestly, for 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 everyone's sake, for our sake, for Omar's sake, for all the people. Uh, who cheer for the Maple Leafs? I really hope we don't have to do this again next year. Come honestly, on, man. honestly, again, again, come on. But it might happen again, again. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 